Welcome to Prayer Huddle, a community that seeks to host God, influence lives, and revive hearts. The message you're about to listen to is a word in season to make your spirit soar like that of the eagle. Thank you for listening and stay blessed. And uh, share with us quickly in the next few minutes the keys to maximizing the hand of God. How we've been talking about the hand of God. Um, some of us have been getting different testimonies of promotions, of elevation. You know, so I was just sharing my testimony, you know, at the corporate level with some friends. Great things happening. Amen. Amazing things happening. Praise the Lord. But how do I, as a child of God, maximize the hand of God? Because the hand of God can be in your life. Amen. And the hand of God can be in your life. And it might be, how do I say, how do I say this? The hand of God can be shortchanged in the life of a person. And what do you need to know? What do you need to do to see it maximized in your life? Amen. And the Lord began to speak to me in a very, very interesting area. And I just want every one of us in a few minutes to, to soak this admonition into your spirit. Like take this admonition into your spirit. In John chapter 8, verse 39, John chapter 8, verse 39, John 8, verse 39. Father, as I share your word, I invite your Holy Spirit to speak to every heart and speak through me, O God, in the name of Jesus Christ. I bind every spirit of distraction and every spirit that argues and negates the word of God. And I pray that the word will be planted on good hearts today and bring forth fruits in hundred fruits, in sixty fruits, and, and be fruitful in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, John chapter 8, verse 39. And they answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said to them, If you were indeed Abraham's children, Okay, follow his example, you will do the works of Abraham. Abraham was a man who maximized the good hand of God upon his life and upon his generation. He said, if you are indeed the children of Abraham, if you claim to be children of Abraham, God was speaking, Jesus was speaking to the children of Israel. But we who are born again, according to Galatians chapter 3, verse 16, we have become um, spiritual Israelites. Amen. We have become Abraham's children. For the Bible says when God made the promise to Abraham, he said to his seed, not seeds as to many. He said to his seed, which means to Christ. And in, in Christ, we have become adopted as children of Abraham. And the Spirit of God is saying, if we are indeed circumcision of the Spirit, we're not of the flesh, we are children by the circumcision of the Spirit, which is through faith, amen, we are children of Abraham by faith, let us do the works. That is important. Let us do the works. So we are not just children 
um, just by identity that we've been born. But we're born as children, and in us is innate the capacity to do the works of Abraham. Am I talking to somebody? Amen. Praise the Lord. Now in Galatians 3, let me show us Galatians chapter 3. We can write down this scripture and go study them. Uh, Galatians chapter 3, if you read verse 26, let's start from verse 20. I'm sorry, from verse 16. It says in verse 16, Galatians chapter 3 from verse 16. It says, now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. So God made promises to him and his seed. He said not to the seeds, but as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. Just pressing what I just said. So Christ in Christ is the is the common wealth of Israel. What the Bible says, common wealth of Israel, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12. It says that we we were aliens, we were far off when we were not saved. Has he drawn away? We were aliens from the common wealth of Israel, from the covenants of promise, covenants of promise. And that is the in, in, in Ephesians 2, verse 12. It says he has brought us so we were now partakers of all the covenants of promise in Christ, who is the seed of Abraham. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And by the seed of Abraham, Jesus, we have become children of Abraham, legitimate children of Abraham. It says in verse 26, it says, for ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Did you see that? We are children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. How many of us have faith in Christ Jesus? I want you to signify with your hands and react to that. You have faith absolute faith that is confidence in Christ Jesus that whatever you are whatever I am it's it's as a result of Jesus Christ let me see you in this meeting amen praise the Lord hallelujah now we have faith in Christ Jesus and therefore we be made God's children by that faith that we have in Christ in verse 29 if we be Christ, therefore, and then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to promise. So the Bible is telling us here that we, we might not be Israelites in the flesh, but spiritually everything that obtains in the dealings of God with the children of Israel is the same thing that obtains even the dealings of God with us under the new, co new covenant through Christ Jesus. So what are the works of Abraham that the Bible is Jesus was saying, if you are the seed of Abraham, you are heirs of promise, do the works of Abraham. We understand by faith that Abraham is an exemplary model 
of faith, those who truly follow God, that God called Abraham his friend. I want you to know that this year, this year, nothing, nothing will rob you of God's best. Nothing, no plan of, you know, when I was praying and the Lord was just opening my eyes to things and I just began to pray some prayers and I want to run through three things, three things that I am trusting God when I was praying, I prayed that this grace will be in our lives. It will be in my life. Number one, as children of Abraham, honoring God's word with careful attention. This is not a year to handle God's word with levity. This is not a year to be selective about which of God's word you want to obey or you want to honor and which of God's word you want to like, well, well, God understands. Amen. The, the, the most dangerous thing that can happen to a child of God that is enjoying the favor of God, enjoying the grace of God, is to come to a point where you think that God so loves you so much that it immunes you from the consequence of going contrary to his word. I mean, that's a dangerous place to be. Where and it is a very cheap way for the enemy to tempt anybody. To think that, oh no, God so loved that I can always pray, I can always ask for forgiveness, and He will just, God will just forgive. God will forgive, but you will have given the enemy grounds. Amen. In your life. And we now begin to go through a whole lot of cascade of experience. Amen. Just to undo all that the enemy will be as done. Amen. Hallelujah. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 13, Hebrews 12, verse 13, things to do to maximize the hand of God in your life, in your family, in this year. Amen. Hebrews chapter 11, verse chapter 12, verse 13 to 15. Hebrews 12, 13 to 15. It said, make straight paths for your feet. That means let God's word be a lamp to your feet. Don't, don't be the type that you have some other agenda, you have some other hidden things. No. He said make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way. But let it rather be healed. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man can see God. So the Bible is saying here that if you want to maximize the hand of God on your life, you have to be somebody who does not joke or play with God's word. Somebody who does not joke or play with honoring God's word. If God's word, I said it. I'm going to honor it. If it's a command from God, I am not going to rationalize around it and begin to find a way to disobey it. No, I am going to honor it. Number two, don't cut short the hand of God, amen, through unbridled desires. Through unbridled desires. What are unbridled desires? So unbridled desires are those desires in our nature that the enemy can use to tempt us. Those things that have not yet been crucified in Christ. You see, in Galatians 2.20, it says, I am 
crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. But yet not I that liveth, but Christ that liveth in me. Now the life which I live now, this life you live. It's an embodiment of emotions. It's an embodiment of passions that have been purified, that have been crucified, that has been identified with the Lord's will and his passion and his purpose. He said, the life I live now, I live it by faith. In the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You know, this year, I want you to tell yourself no more games. No more games. Hallelujah. No more games. The Bible says something in James chapter 1, verse 13. Am I talking to somebody? Praise the Lord. Am I talking? Is, is this a good stuff to the spirit of someone? James chapter 1, verse 13 to 15. James 1, 13 to 15. Wow. Wow. What a word. Glory to Jesus. It says in James 1, 13, it says, Let no man or woman say when they are tempted, I am tempted of God. He said, For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempt he any man. But how does temptation happen? It happens through unbridled desires. Look at what it says. He said, But every man is tempted when he is drawn away by his own lust. So there is, there is a drawing away, there's something drawing you. There is something pulling you. It says, Oh, I just like I like the smile. I like the I like the treatment. I like to go there. I like I like you know, it might be taste, it might be food, it might be something, it might be I like the treat. But the devil knows that he's leading, it's like you're you're baiting an animal to slaughter. You're feeding fat an animal for slaughter. And, and that's how the devil tempts. He says he's drawn away. There is a drawing away. Why? Because you're in a place of covering. You're in a place where the enemy cannot tamper with the blessings of God, with the favor of God, with the hand of God on your life. So he has to draw you away. He has to bring that person to a place where he can hit them hard. Amen. I pray none of us will be drawn away out of the grace and favor of God. You know, I was saying sometimes, I said, there is nothing terrible like when you have something and you don't know the value. Many have lost the anointing like that. Many have lost grace like that. Lost favor like that. Lost things. Like things that were working in their life. And they're like, look, what happened? Because the devil, he, he saw that what they got, he needed it. Amen. And that was what happened to Adam and Eve. The Bible says in verse 15, then when lost is fully conceived, it brings forth sin. And sin, when it's finished, it brings forth disconnect. Death means disconnect. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. In 1 Timothy 2, verse 14, we need to understand that the enemy latches on our unbridled desire using deception. He deceives us, and deception is when the enemy takes what is not true, okay? Deception is taking what is not true and alter it to look like it's true. That's deception. When the enemy begins to say to somebody and say, you know, the, what you have is, 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 you know, there's something better, there's something that is, and the person begins to listen and begin to listen 
and the devil begins to beg, please, please, make a quick return to the Lord. Make it before it's too late. Because guess what? Satan knows his calculations are short in your life. He wants to strike quickly as possible. I don't know why I'm speaking to prophetically. He wants to strike quickly as possible. And, and I, I don't want to live in deception. I don't want to deceive everybody and, and live a different life. Amen? Forgetting that there are two people you cannot deceive. You cannot deceive God and in fact Satan because he knows when you join his camp as a deceiver. The Bible says something in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 14. Turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 14. It says in 1 Timothy 2, verse 14. Hallelujah. I don't know who this word is for. It says in verse 14, Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived in transgression. Now, but Adam sinned willingly. Amen. But it started with deception. His wife was deceived and then he sinned. Hallelujah. In Psalms 119, verse 98, as we're gradually getting to close, it says in Psalm 119, verse, verse, verse 98. Ah, thank you, Jesus. Psalm 119, verse 98, it says there, Psalm 119, verse 98. It says, Thou through thy commandments, you through your commandments has made me wiser, smarter than my enemies, for they are ever with me. I want to pray for you that in this year you will be smarter. You will be smarter than the, the pranks of the devil will be smarter than his schemes because the devil's scheme is to make you dishonor this word, take it for slider, have a, a, a space in your heart where you can reason with the word and say, okay, but, but. And that was what the devil did to Eve. He said, is it true that God said, you know, question things, question God's word in your life. And that has led many to the path of deception. Finally, this is a year to be steadfast. You want to maximize the hand of God in your life? Be steadfast with God. Be steadfast with God. Woo! In, in 2 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58, 2 Corinthians 15, verse 58, he says, be steadfast, be movable. Amen. But before that, there was, there, there was a verse there, the verse 57, that was saying that, but thanks be to God who leads us into victory, who gives us victory in Christ Jesus. Let's go there. In 2 Corinthians 15, 2 Corinthians 15, verse 57, but thanks be to God which giveth us victory through Christ. He gives us victory. He puts our lives, he makes us overcomers in this world. And he puts our lives in a place of advantage. That's, it's all due to Christ. If it's not for Christ, <laughs> there's none of us that could, they can stand the enemy, his plans. There's none of us that will be where we are today. Praise the Lord. He said, but thanks be to God who gives us victory. He said, therefore, because of that, you, my beloved brethren, be steadfast. 
Be steadfast in your giving to God. Be steadfast in your, in your surrenderance to God. Be steadfast in your love for God. Be steadfast in your service for God. Be steadfast in your pursuit after God. Be steadfast. What is it to be steadfast? To be steadfast is to, let me just put it in our language, hang in there until you see the fullness okay, of all that God has intended for your life. Hanging in there until you see the fullness of all that God has intended in your life. Steadfastness is that consistent investment of ourselves in the process that God has put before us to make us who he wants us to be. That's steadfastness. He said, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Father, bless your word today. Bless your word in our hearts. Thank you, God, for speaking this word on the keys to maximizing the hand of God. I want to make another call. Praise the Lord. You, you just heard this word, and you're trusting God for grace. You're saying, Lord, I need your grace. I've heard your word, but I need your grace. I need your grace to, to, be, to honor your word in my life this year. Imagine what your life would be like if you and I go through this year fully honoring God's word, 100%. Think about the kind of favor, the kind of grace. It is true that God is faithful to us regardless of our faithfulness. But our unfaithfulness depletes us of God's faithfulness. I'm going to say that again. God is faithful to us regardless of our unfaithfulness. But when we live unfaithful to God, amen, it leaves us open to be robbed by the enemy. So imagine a life, imagine a whole year without with, with honoring God, honoring his word, and being steadfast, and keeping our desires in honoring God alone. What a wonderful, what a wonderful year to be. I want us to pray. I want to pray for some people, my brothers and my sisters who are saying, Lord, I need that grace. And I just want you to signify, I'm going to pray with you. This is between you and God. There's nothing to be ashamed about. This is a commitment we're making to God. I am making this commitment as well. I want the hand of God to operate in my life at a dimension that the enemy cannot falter or the enemy cannot tamper with. Let me pray with you. Let me see your hands up. I'm going to pray right now. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we come humbly in response to your word because we know that this is the game changer. This is where you, you give us that advantage over the enemy and advantage your life. This is how you make us conquerors indeed. And Father, we are praying that your word will have a place in us. Not only have a place, we pray your word will come to us as a word of grace. It will impact us with grace. I'm praying, oh God, for myself, for my sisters, for my brothers, for anyone whose hands are lifted right now, who is connected with, with me in prayer. I am asking in the name of Jesus 
The Lord, you will grant to us that grace, O oh God, to honor you, to do the works of the children of Abraham. So that, Lord, in our lives consistent, in our lives, in the lives of our children and generations after us, they would see the hand of God. They will see that we were custodians of the good hand of God in our lives because of how we positioned ourselves to honor God, to be steadfast with him. I pray that this grace begin to speak in our lives from this moment. And if there be anyone, oh God, who is feeling robbed, feeling cheated, feeling attacked by the enemy, I pray in the name of Jesus, after this ministration, may you see a new turn. May you see a turnaround in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' Precious name. Thank you for listening to this message. We love to stay in touch and to see you at one of our events. You can find out more about us on our website at prayer-huddle.com. Email us at feedback at prayer-huddle.com or on our Instagram at prayer underscore huddle.